And then the communion slide, I was worried about making sure it's not attached. Amen. Whew. That stirred me. I'm stirred. Have your Bibles. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You know, I think the older I get, and the more I read the Bible, there's, there's certain things in the Bible I've found that just makes me profoundly sad. Uh, in our Sunday school lesson today, we're in Revelations, and there's something very sad about the fact that uh, the world is grinding to a halt. There's, there's uh, 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 plagues, and, and God is pouring His wrath upon the earth, and the waters turn to blood, and thousands and millions of people are dying, and they, they refuse to repent. He says over and over again in Revelations, and they refuse to repent. They saw what God was doing. They realized that God was pouring His wrath upon the world. They saw it had to be from God. But they refuse to repent. When you read about the children of Israel and what God did to get them out of Egypt, and He split the Red Sea and he took care of them in the wilderness, even when they refused to go into uh, Canaan the first time, he, they wandered around for 40 years in the wilderness. He kept them safe and protected and fed them, and then brought them into the Promised Land. And all He did to get them out of slavery in Egypt was wonderful, but he couldn't get the Egypt out of them. There was something about that that just makes me so sad. And in our text today, we're going to read, and Jesus says uh, to do this in remembrance of me, and that makes me so sad that He had to give us something to do to remember Him when we should never, ever forget the love that God had for us in sending His Son Jesus willing to come and go to that cross and die for us. So I've entitled this sermon, uh, Serve with Love, because that's what this uh, Lord's Supper is, is it's Serve with Love. In a couple of days, we'll celebrate Valentine's Day. And it's a, a day to celebrate the ones that we love. And, and there's many kinds of love in the world. And, and uh, there's, there's all different kinds and different ways that we love. We have love for each other as a church family. We have love for our our, our spouse, love for our children, and uh, love for country, uh, love for different things, love for pizza. But no one loves like Jesus. His love is for us is that agape love, that sacrificial love. John fifteen thirteen says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. To me, one of the greatest sadness in the world is that the world does not know how much Jesus loves them. I read an article the other day. Uh, 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 there was uh, the Grammys. I don't know if anybody watches the Grammys. I don't watch the Grammys. But the Grammys is a musical award, and they were giving out awards, and they had performances on there. And uh, uh, Two people, I don't know who they are. I can't, I can't tell you their names. But they wrote a song called Unholy. And they performed the song on stage, and, and they had like uh, 15 complaints to the FCC for that. Um, they all were dressed in red. They had what looked like fire coming up, and, and uh, the lead singer wore horns and had a cane, and 
and he kind of represents the devil. And one of the one of the one of the complaints was, and one of the, one of the critics said that this was so bad that he could see this causing persecution of Christian because of this song, and because it, it was celebrated devil worshiping, they said, and it won. That song won an award that you, this, this this Grammys, but. They just don't understand the love it took for God to leave heaven and come to this earth and wrap Himself in flesh and walk around and suffer the way we suffer and go through the things that we go through and then march to the cross and then die for us. So today we'll take the Lord's Supper, but we'll do this in remembrance of Jesus and His sacrifice for sins. But this meal is served with love, agape love, sacrificial love. And that's what we're going to look at. All are welcome to this table, but many refuse to see the love that Jesus has for them. So today we're going to remember the love of Jesus Christ. So let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 26. For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also, he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament of my blood. This do ye, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. And as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death, Till he come. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, uh, Lord, I thank you for loving me. Father, I don't know why you love me, but I thank you for that you do. Father, I'm just amazed that you looked down and seen nothing good. And said, I love them so much, I'm going to send my son to provide salvation for them. It's overwhelming. As we prepare for Easter, Father, and it's coming up, and we, we'll, we'll talk about the passion and the, all that Christ goes through, and He done that for us. Nothing caught Him off guard. He knew it was coming. But He came anyway. Why? Because He loves us. Father, that love is incredible. And that's the love we should have for everyone. It's a love that wants everyone to see that they're special in your eyes. So, Father, help us to do that. Help us to remember what Christ did for us, but also remember that he done it for everyone. And that the gift of salvation is given to everyone. Even those people who sung that song. Even those people who were dancing on stage. Even those people who hate you and say they don't love you or don't care about you or don't believe in you. You love them. Father, we pray that they can see this great and magnificent love that you have for them. For it's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. So we need to take time to look at this meal and its message of love. And every time we gather together and partake of the Lord's Supper, we see an illustration of the Gospel. 
our Heavenly Father's plan for the salvation of His children, which was the death, burial, and resurrection of His Son. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What great love that is. So first, let's see the love that endured in the pain of His sacrifice. Verse 23 and 24 again says, For I have received of the Lord that which I also deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. <clears throat> I don't think we can fully ever understand how Jesus suffered. We can read about it, and I've seen books about it, and people have expounded on it about how violent it was and how how evil it was and what he went through. But I don't think we can fully ever understand. I've seen Passion of the Christ, which is, is grotesque and violent. And, but I don't think we'll ever understand. When Jesus refers to his broken body, he is referring to the pain that he will suffer. That night when he had supper with his disciples before he went to the cross, in Luke chapter 22, verses 19 and 20, he said, and he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also a cup after, after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. His body was given for us. His blood was spilled to wash away our sins. Jesus suffered on the cross. The salvation we enjoy in Jesus Christ today is free but it is certainly not cheap. It cost Jesus his life. He was tortured. He was beaten. In Luke chapter 22, Luke chapter 22, verses uh, 63 and 64 says, And the men that held Jesus mocked him and smote him, and when they had blindfolded him, uh, struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is it that smote thee? What you understand here, this is God. This is God they blindfolded, laughing and joking and slapping him and saying, Okay, prophesy, tell us who slapped you. If you're so powerful, if you know everything, tell us who slapped you. They ridiculed him. They ridiculed God. The Creator allowed the creatures to put their hands on him. Can you imagine? Why would he do that? He was scourged and spit on and mocked in Matthew chapter 27. Verses 26, starting with verse 26 says, Then released the, the Hebrew Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered into him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the, the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own uh, raiment on him 
and led him away to crucify him. Makes me sick. They mocked the Lord. They, they dressed him up like a king and they bowed down to him. They put them thorns on his head and pushed it into his scalp. They just mocked him. And then they took him and nailed him to the cross. And I'll tell you what, a testimony of how stiff-necked people we are and how, how hard it is for us to understand sometimes and to see things. After his resurrection, Thomas wanted proof that it was Jesus. In John chapter 20, starting with verse 20. I'm sorry, starting with verse 25. It says, And the other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, Except I shall see uh, in his hands the prince of the nails, and put my fingers into the prince of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. And then saith he unto Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither my, thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord, my God. Even with all this that happened, Thomas wouldn't believe. He had to see the prints. He had to see the, the scars on him. He had to thrust his hand in his side. And, and Jesus will carry those scars for all eternity. I think one of the things we'll notice when we get to heaven, you know, I always talk about people saying, I can't wait to see my loved ones. I can't wait to, to, to go to heaven and and to talk to Paul, and to talk about these great saints of God. And, and No, I just want to be there because my Jesus is there. And he has the prints of what he did for me on his body. And I'll see them every day for the rest of eternity. And I'll rejoice in the fact of knowing that he did that for me. I just want to see him. And this is why the Son of God was incarnate. To go and to suffer and to bleed and to die and to carry those marks. In John chapter 18, verse 37, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king, and this end was I born, and for this cause I came out into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. The truth is that Jesus is the Savior of the world that we need. The truth is that we can't save ourselves without him. We are eternally lost, but faith in Jesus brings us eternal life. He came to be our king. He went through hell for us to be our king. The world needs to know that Jesus loves them and died for them, and he suffered so that they could be free of that sin debt. Because God became flesh is all the evidence we need of his love. Philippians 2, 5-8 through 8 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, 
and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I want you to understand what that says. It's his mind that we need to have in us. It's his mindset. The way Jesus was thinking when this was going on. It's the way he, he, he took the things that were going on around him and computed it in his mind and, and, and was at peace with it. Because this is what he thought. He is God, the Creator. But he became a servant. He became a man. He humbled himself. He was obedient, even though he knew death was coming on the cross. For who? For sinners. Foul, dirty, hard-hearted sinners. That's a love like no other. God didn't look down and say, okay, there's a group of righteous, God-fearing people here. I'm going to send Jesus to die for them. No, God looked down and said, I see no good nowhere. I see nothing redeemable. I see nothing that these people could do to save themselves. I think Romans 5, uh, 6 through 8 says it all. For when we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commanded his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He looked down and seen nothing but sinners. He said, I'm going to send my son. This meal is served to us with love. God saw evil, sin, and threw all his love at it. Second, we see the love of his payment of, of his sacrifice. Look at verse 25. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. It wasn't enough for Jesus to die. That wasn't good enough. He could have died of a heart attack. He could have, you know, fell off a cliff. He could have drowned. But that, that wasn't what was in the plan, was it? That wouldn't fulfill the payment for his sacrifice for our sins. Jesus had to die through the shedding of his blood. His death uh, was to provide the atonement for sin. The atonement means a covering. And for atonement, blood had to be shed in the Old Testament. In, in um, uh, Leviticus, it tells us. For, but Jesus' blood doesn't cover sin. It takes it away. John 1.29 says, And the next day Jesus said, And the next day John said, Sorry, let me slow down. I'm excited. Lena's got me all riled up. John 1.29, John the Baptist is talking. He said, when the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God which take away the sin of the world. Through the years, the, the Jewish people have uh, sacrificed millions of animals, shed the blood to, to, to cover up their sins for a period of time. But Jesus' blood sacrifice was the final one, perfect, to pay the sin debt for all. Hebrews 10. Starting verse 10 it says, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting 
till his enemies are made, be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected over for, forever them that are sanctified. He didn't die to, to take away our sins for a while. He didn't die to cover them up. He died to completely pay the payment for sin so that we can stand before God full and free in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Jesus gave his blood, which is the only way that sin can be paid for. His love paid our debt in full. He didn't leave anything for us to do. Jesus didn't say, okay, I paid partial your debt. But here's what you have to do with that. You have to do this, or you have to fulfill the law, or you have to do something. God knew if he gave us anything that we had to do to, 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 to lead up to salvation, we'd mess it up. Jesus said, no. Your debt is cleared, paid in full, by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. What he did was to forever satisfy the just demands of a God for sin. He gave himself in our place so that we might go free. He suffered the innocent for the guilty so that the guilty can be saved. What great love. Paid our debt completely. And finally, we see the love and the promise of his sacrifice. Look at verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. All you need to remember there is till he comes. Till he comes. His sacrifice, his love for us, comes with some great promises. One, the promise of his resurrection. <coughs> his death on the cross was not the end. Till he comes means he's alive. Pain, suffering, the cruel death, but on the third day he walked out of that grave. And with our sin debt paid, we receive eternal life because he lives, we live also. We also have the promise of his return, he says, until he comes. John 14, 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. His love is eternal. We also have the promise that it's, it's, it's for more than just us. This table is not just for us. This table is for everyone. Everyone. The vilest sinner. The, the, those I talked about on that stage singing that song. This table is open to them. If they could just see if they could just remove the blindness that Satan has on them, if they could just understand, if, they, if someone would just give them the gospel, the, the words that they need to hear at the time, and God's working on their heart that they can see that Jesus loves them so much that He's prepared a table for them to come and eat. There's room in His table for all, and, and His love is for all. And we must share Jesus with the world. Mark sixteen fifteen, And He said unto them, Go ye into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Our knowledge of this meal, served with love, is an opportunity to tell others 
about his death, burial, and resurrection. His return, his invitation to come to him for salvation. Church, we need to do a better job of inviting people to this table. Saying, God loves you. There's a campaign ad, and I've noticed it's come up on the Super Bowl. It's been around for about a year now. It's called uh, Jesus Gets Us. Uh, I think it would have been a much better uh, deal if they'd said Jesus loves us. But uh, that'll be coming up in commercials at the Super Bowl this evening. But if the world could just see how much Jesus loves them. This table also has a promise for the sinner. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come unto me, all thee that are heavy, that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Why would he do that for sinners? Because he loves us. Now, as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper, remember his great sacrifice, remember his great love.